Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so lucky to be here with Dr. Ashok Malhotra for part three of our interview. In the first two parts, he laid out a, a groundwork for where we are now, his own personal awakening through yoga, through the traditional Hindu civilization that he was born into. But his life brought him to the West, to Hawaii first, and then to New York. And now we're going to find out exactly how this structure of understanding led to the type of action that he has done in the world over a lifetime of really, really impressive work. So, Dr. Malhotra, can you take us from theory into action? Okay, thank you, Bob. Um, it's, for me, it's a very smooth sailing thing because I came to SUNY Oriyanta and uh, I had studied Eastern philosophy in India and Western philosophy in Hawaii. But uh, East-West Center brought people from 51 different countries together. By the way, Obama's parents, Kenyan father and his American mother, were student there three years before I came there. Obama was two years old when I came there. And he used to come to the East-West Center to play. Okay. Uh, here it says the connection is unstable. I don't know why. So anyway, so I learned from East-West Center how to be a person of the world. And before I left East West Center, I was asked to start a philosophy department at SUNY Oneonta. But before I left, or the day I was leaving, the chancellor of East West Center came over to me and he said, Ashok, uh, can you tell us in one statement how East West Center influenced you? So I was put on the spot. But yoga sutras came in handy because they are sutra. They tie together at four or five words to give you a statement that condenses the whole philosophy. So I said to him, the chancellor, I said, before I came to the East-West Center, I used to think I'm a Punjabi, grew up in the Punjab area of India. Then after coming here, people thought I was from India. So I belong to India. But after meeting people from 51 different countries, I lost that sense of being a Punjabi, lost that sense of being in India. From one point of view, I lost my home. But the moment I lost my home, at the same time, I became a citizen of every country. That's what the East-West Center has taught me. And he said, that's perfect. <laughs> we'll quote you. Anyway, 
So I came to SUNY Uni Antap, and they didn't have any philosophy department. So I met with Dr. Roda. He was just hired. He was from Italy. I was from India. We used to call ourselves uh, Indo-Italian <laughs> kind of combination to start a philosophy department. And college had no idea what philosophy was. They thought it was BS. They used all kinds of terms. And we wanted to institute into the philosophy department all the courses we ever wanted to teach. So we created 22 different courses, instituted also philosophy of India, China, and Japan. That is Hinduism, Buddhism, and Taoism. That's one course, or recent mystical philosophies of India and China, yoga and meditation, and then of course, all the courses in Western philosophy, also combination of philosophy and literature, philosophy and literature of alienation. And we did all kinds of interesting things because colleagues didn't know, you know what we are doing, but we convinced them. But, and we did that, we created a philosophy major, a philosophy minor, and we got some of the brilliant students like you, Dan Samsoni, and others, you know, we were able to impart this. But the strangest thing happened. After teaching here at SUNY Onianta for 13 years, and I started, uh, while I was doing my yoga and meditation, and I started thinking what my teacher said, your life has to have a balance. Do I have a balance in my life? 13 years of teaching, all the way from 1967 to 1979, 80. That's when you are my student. And at that point, I started thinking, you know, all this teaching, learning at uh, the best school in India, and then coming to University of Hawaii, learning from all these great teachers, and now, I'm in Oneonta. I've been teaching their teachings. I'm standing on the shoulders of these giants of humanity. I am what I am because of all these. And there is an African term they use, and that is Ubuntu. Ubuntu. That means I am because of you. I am. I got my PhD because of John Balsat. I created all these courses because of all these giants of humanity, they gave us all the knowledge. So anyway, so I started thinking, I have been teaching, I have been getting my paycheck because of teaching. It gives me living. Does it give me life? There's a big difference between making a living and having a life. So at that point, I said, I'm going to think about the 10 biggest problems humanity is facing and which one I could put a dent into. And I started studying about uh, India. And because uh, India gave me my master's degree, gave me birth. And I am what I am because of India first and then America. So how can I contribute? So I found that I am successful because this education I got, 
Let me look at this problem of illiteracy. Then I found India at that point had 350 million people, 160 million, almost half the population was female population. And that was almost illiterate. So I was influenced by two great thinkers. Uh, one was Abraham Lincoln, another was Mahatma Gandhi. Unfortunately, both of them are assassinated. Lincoln, I read his uh, uh, biography, and two lines stood out from, I found that Lincoln used to walk five miles carrying his big sack to study, to get his education. But he will burn midnight oil, and it was used to be, he wrote in his diaries, Abe Lincoln with his hand and pen, he will be great God knows when. All good boys who to their book supply will be great men by and by. And I remember that, that stuck with me. Then I was reading my experiments with truth by Mahatma Gandhi and one of the uh, reporters that had asked him a question, he said, India has an illiteracy problem. How will you solve it? And Gandhi said, very simply, I have a slogan, each one, teach one. If every educated person taught one more person who is illiterate, you can solve the problem of illiteracy in India. So I took those two. I said, we are going to educate the female and minority children. And that's when you came to India with me. That was our first trip. And it materialized into creating salmon schools with more than 1,800 female and minority children. And I just got recently, last week, a videotape of one of the girls who came to our school 24 years ago. I gave her a pencil or a pen, and now she is an anchor and a reporter on television. Beautiful, speaking English fluently, a number of, another one is in Russia, who is the medical doctor helping the people out there. Number of them are engineers, because I started with them when they were five or six. 24 years later, they are 30 years old. Amazing accomplishment. And not only these children are getting education, villages where we started these schools, they are flourishing because new roads are coming up. Internet is coming up. And these kids are corresponding with Linda on Facebook. Fabulous stuff. When I go back, they are all surrounding me. And the sir, teachers, Bangra, Bangra, I said, when I saw you at that point, I could do Bangra for 30 minutes. Now, after 30 seconds, I will drop dead. I can't do that anymore. So anyway, so we did that experiment. And I have a message for the rest of the world, all the people who are in power. This COVID-19 has brought our humanity together. 
that is the virus does not discriminate whether you're white or brown or yellow or black and so forth whether you're this or that they belong to this religion or that it attacks everybody irrespective of what nation you come from we don't have to send neil armstrong kind of an astronaut to come back and say come on humanity we don't see any barriers you have created those national barriers we don't have to have a anti well to say the martians are attacking humanity come together to fight back come on this is covid 19 is telling us let's get together to fight it as a human family and what is the, all of us looking for we are looking for what yoga says a beautiful concept we are all looking for santosha and that's coming from ashtang yoga the second step which says socha santosha tapas and so forth socha means cleanliness we have to see what our addictions are we have to clean up like you clean yourself up from your coffee drinking to tea drinking or i clean myself up from coffee to tea okay that's socha and then you have to think about all the other addictions we have but the second one is santosha santosh means contentment all the people they are looking for a altered state of consciousness they are looking for a healing and a health and so forth their ultimate goal is santosha that is how i can be content with who i am where i am and what i have and that's very very important that people have to and this all came from going back to socrates when he went to uh, that uh, olympus say hey okay and he has to uh, get in touch with uh, you know god apollo and he listened to that sound and the priest said what did you hear what did apollo say to you he said well, he said it in his own language but i'll translate it for you he said you are the wisest of all human beings because you are the only one who knows that you know nothing and brilliant and my statement is the more you know the more you know how little you know think about it the more you know the more you know how little you know that's very important but another statement is the more compassionate you are more compassionate you will become and there is an old saying in india and china and the saying is scent lingers on the hands that deliver the flowers think about it scent you are giving the flower you have the scent in your hand and the person who gets the flower has lot of scent so you're doubling up the pleasure and our whole life is nothing but contribution to humanity gandhi was asked a question how will you know god and he said 
don't tell me how will i know i see the god when i help you know to educate somebody i'm getting in touch with a living god when somebody needs a food i give him a food i'm in touch with a living god and what is all this and he used the word seva s c v a that means service service without asking anything in return that's nishkam karma going back to my mother who read the chapter from the bhagavad gita nishkam karma do a good deed each day if you can do more than one start doing it let your whole life be filled with good deeds without asking anything in return and gandhi was asked so how do you find meaning in life and gandhi said it's very simple when you do a compassionate deed you forget yourself and when you forget yourself you really find yourself the silent self and that's the most important healing experience you'll ever have that's when you touch the spirit you become one with that spirit and i'll leave you with my own depiction of all this we have a heart you have a heart maddie heart. linda all of us have a heart doctors say there are four parts to it of course there are four parts but as a philosopher we have to look at it slightly differently the first part of the heart beats for me it says do yoga take walk eat right in balance okay and take care of yourself sleep well and don't have ups and downs in your emotions be leveled and so forth take care of your health physical mental and spiritual health but the second part says we have to listen to it it says what you want for yourself you want it for your mother and father your wife and your children and your whole family that's very important and the third part says that what you want for yourself and your family you belong to a country there are fathers and mothers and children and grandchildren what you want for yourself and family you want it for all the people of your land and the fourth part says we are all children of this earth earth is our mother earth what you want for yourself and you want it for family you want it for the country you want it for all the children and the problem with the most of us is we limit ourselves to the first part then we become totally selfish self centered competitive and so forth even with our own brothers and sisters but if you extend yourself i am because of you the next is family the well that part of your heart and then the third is what you want for yourself and your family ask it for the whole community and your whole country and it's the most difficult part to have that world perspective we are all in it together and that's what we have learned from covid 19 we are part of this human family and that's why we have the sign namaste 
And namaste means that the totality of my being, I bow before you. I don't bow before your physical body. I recognize you have that divine spark. I have the same. We are brothers and sisters. We came from the same source. And the same word in a different way is used in Hawaii. People go to Hawaii, you say, Aloha. And Aloha spirit is there. And we don't, we think it's just a greeting. No, Aloha means Aloha. My breath and your breath came from the same source. We are brothers and sisters. That's why they use the word Ohana for the family. Ohana, we belong to the same life-giving tree. And it also is similar to Ubuntu, the African saying, I am because of you. I'm standing on the shoulder of these great joints of the past. That's what COVID-19 is teaching us. That will be the biggest healing if we can inculcate that family. We are part of this human family. And that's my message. Then work together to make everybody literate of this earth. So my message to all the powerful people who run all these countries, the presidents and prime ministers and dictators and emperors, make this as your plank. Each one, teach one. Let's, in our own countries, each person teaches a person who is illiterate and make the whole world literate. That will be our greatest gift to 21st century. What a beautiful message and what a beautiful way to cap our three interviews in, in talking about your life, which is, has been nothing but an inspiration to me. Um, your brilliant understanding of these philosophies, but not stopping there to take it and carry it into the world to create positive change. And I'd like people to, our listeners, to be able to find out more about the work that the Ninash Foundation is doing. So if people would like to get in touch and find out more about it, how would they do that? I think they should go to www.ninash.org. And it gives you the story of all, all the seven schools. And it tells you, it gives you a, a small videotapes of three minutes how we started with the help of 300 students, many faculty members, so many people went to India, they have contributed and how each village is developing and growing. And if people want to take the next step after they read about it, they want to contribute to these schools. They are freely run by the people in India. We support them by raising money, donations here. They can go to ninash.org, go to PayPal, and give their donations. It's 100% tax deductible, and we depend on donations. And every dollar somebody donates, Ninash Foundation will duplicate it. We'll double it up, okay? If you give $1,000, we'll put $1,000. And that's what my life's mission is, not to educate every female and minority child in India. And that will be 
a long time. I had to live for 200 years. Otherwise, if it could be done in 20 years, then we'll go to Africa, then we'll go to Southeast Asia, then we go to South America. I love to. But if I can do it just like that firefly, you become the firefly. <laughs> He become the firefly, and we have to create many fireflies <laughs> to light up this darkness, which is there, pessimism, which is there. There's so much work to be done for humanity. Waiting. Thank you so much for these messages of inspiration and for your life that that shows us how to take good thoughts and put them into action. So, Dr. Malhotra, thank you so much for being with us for these three separate interviews. Thank you, Bob. You're very generous with your kind words. Thank you. I hope people will get in touch with me. I'll I hope so too. And thank you everyone for listening. Please contact Dr. Melhotra. We'll see you soon. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Better. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.